It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I'm joined today by a very special guest, uh, my guy Yunir Rubenstein from... uh, Hoops Israel and also Bullets Forever. Uh, uh, Yanir, how you doing today, man? Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I um, we actually uh, reconvened last week. We got a chance to go out and sit and just grab a beer off of a of a, of a bet from the from the season. Uh, so it, all to all those out there, Yanir uh, definitely pays his debts. So, but uh, we we I we, I began talking about uh, a podcast series that I wanted to start doing, like a, a kind of a, a review slash preview of uh, the upcoming Wizards season. And when I was looking at it, as far as reviewing last season, one of the most um, important, not one of the most important players, I actually, you know, I will say one of the most important players from last year's team, Thomas Sadaransky, uh, he, in fact, is leaving the team. He's heading to the Chicago Bulls, uh, where he signed a, a restricted free agency offer. And I wanted you to bring you on so we could sit back and kind of review uh, Sadaransky's, not only his last season as a wizard, but his whole career in its entirety, and kind of uh, talk about some of the things that went wrong, some of the things that went right, and uh, what, what, what could uh, Wizards fans expect to see from Sato in Chicago next year and how he'll be missed from the team. Uh, but first, let's, let's, let's start by give, tell the people a little bit more about yourself and the, and the hoops coverage that you do over at Hoops Israel and uh, with uh, Bullets Forever. Well, um, first of all, that's a great introduction. So, you know, Hoops Israel is uh, 
according to the NBA uh, International Media Office, it's uh, one of the biggest outlets out uh, in Europe, uh, Africa, Middle East. And, uh, you know, I had uh, the honor to represent uh, the magazine for the NBA Finals this year. Went to Toronto, went to uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, it's, it's just a great opportunity to be out there and bring basketball to people you know real basketball fanatics out there in Israel yeah exactly when we talk about the globalization of the NBA game you know that that includes like having uh, you know uh, on the ground coverage from people like yourself that that you know that that when people are reading Hoops Israel they're not reading you know uh, aggregated content you know they're, exactly. they're reading content directly from the source you know so uh, I remember uh, one of the things that we talked about last week you said that technically you were the last media member to talk to Kevin Durant before he uh, tore his Achilles so <laughs> yeah that's the, that was there that's true <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, now now that we've gotten that out the way and the people have a good understanding as to the expertise that you bring to this uh, when we're talking about European hoops let's let's talk about uh, Thomas Sadoransky's career as a wizard so uh, we, we'll, uh, we'll go back to the beginning he was drafted in uh, 2012 in the second round and then the Wizards, uh, uh, they were probably one of the pioneers of the draft and stash movement. So they, you know, they, they well, not pioneer. I'd, I'd say San Antonio was probably the, the best of that when it comes to drafting and stashing players. But the Wizards followed in that model, and they drafted Sadoransky in 2012. But he didn't ultimately come over to the team until uh, 2016. Can you talk about uh, what it was like for, for, for the Wizards? For And I think it was Tommy Shepard was a big part of, you know, the scouting and bringing in Thomas Sadoransky. Ransky. like what 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 did you see from Sato's game you know early on from that from 2012 to 2016 where he was playing in Europe and what kind of player do you think uh that he was before he came to the NBA so first of all Tommy Shepard really um you know he's been everywhere in Europe I mean he he traveled a lot and uh I think that was you know one of his biggest success stories was really to um find Sadoransky when he was not very well known in Europe or um, you know a lot of uh, Wizards fans and NBA uh, followers you know know about Sadoransky as coming from uh, Barcelona the last two years before he came as a Wizard but actually when Tommy discovered him he was in much smaller teams mm -hmm. so we're talking about Prague we're talking about Sevilla uh, teams that are much less under the radar um, Sadoransky um, the thing that stood out about him early on was his athleticism. Now that's a bit funny to say because when he came to the NBA, people looked at him as lacking athleticism. But actually, in Europe, he was considered a very athletic guy, and uh, you know, especially for a point guard, you know, someone that big and that can dunk, you know, on a, you know bigger players than him, and you know, and uh, so that that was sort of his. Um, I would say his most distinct feature back then. Yeah, no, I can definitely agree. Uh, I remember, um, you know, um, before that summer, 2016 summer, before the season started, the, a lot of teams, they ended up uh, doing like unofficial training camps where they might go to a different city. They might go to Los Angeles. I think Los Angeles was the city that the Wizards players went to and they would play pickup games with each other. And I remember at media day that year, that uh, for to a man, every player talked about how you know athletic Saddle was. You know that you know he was out there dunking on guys, and people were you know kind of surprised because you know that's not really the you know the the attributes that people uh, think about when it comes to European basketball players. So I think that um, you know Saddle he came in with a with a very. Uh, 
I, I would say, uh, reasonable expectations from his peers. Uh, but let's talk about the fact that that summer in 2016 uh, was also the same summer that uh, the Wizards went out and brought in a new head coach. And the head coach was Scott Brooks. And so when Scott Brooks comes in, you know, he he he's he's coming off of the hills of, you know, he was fired from OKC the the previous uh, year before that. And so he took a year off in between where he was like, you know, just kind of, you know, studying the game of basketball. But I, I think it's safe to say that he was viewing his new opportunity with the Wizards as a as a bit of a second chance. So let's talk about how. Uh, he wasn't. I, let's say apprehensive is the word that I would use to to, to play Sadoransky a lot from the beginning. And not to mention that the team went out and they brought in, they traded a second round pick that summer to bring in Trey Burke, who they wanted to be the primary backup point guard. So let's talk about the the uh, the early apprehension from Scott Brooks and playing and or not playing Thomas Sadoransky when he first came over and how he had to get a chance to know him as a player. So um, I might be mistaken, but my recollection is that actually in 2016, in that summer, Sadoransky actually signed an extension with uh, Barcelona, and, and he wasn't actually planning to come to the NBA. And it was pretty late in that summer that I think Ernie uh, Grunfeld, you know, pulled that move, and he, he said, okay, we'll buy you out of that new extension contract. Uh, we want you to come back and, uh, to the U.S. So... Uh, I actually don't think Brooks, uh, Coach Brooks, knew right away when you know when he was making his first moves that he will even have that guy on the roster, and and so that might have been part of the issue of how he kind of got handed that card, and you know he was like, okay, this is one more point guard that you have at your disposal. Right. No, I I agree. So like it, it's tough as a, as a coach when you you know he he like I said he spent a lot of time you know kind of building up who he wanted to be as a coach and then you come in uh, and you have a roster of guys and you're assuming that you know I'm gonna have this guy I'm gonna have that guy and he's not really Tom Sadoransky is not really included in those numbers. So you know so from off the off the break he's kind of. Uh, Sadoransky is kind of behind the curve a little bit when it comes to uh, the, what, what, the the coach's eye, and so um, you know they brought in uh, Trey Burke and to be the the primary backup to John Wall for that season, and then the Trey Burke thing kind of really didn't play out how they thought that it would, and so they ended up bringing in uh, Brandon Jennings. Uh, halfway through the uh, well, no, they brought him in right after after the trade deadline. I believe he was a buyout candidate, so he was bought out of his contract from the Knicks, and so they signed him as a free agent. And so uh, we we talked about this uh, uh, before the before the air. They by them bringing in Brandon Jennings, they had to cut Daniel House uh, because they they ended up keeping both uh, Trey Burke and Brandon Jennings and Sadoransky on the team. They cut House, and so they ended up playing Brandon Jennings. So Brandon ended up playing in the 2017 playoffs, and uh, you know Sato was never really afforded those uh, opportunities as a rookie. What 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 what, did, what are some of the things? What are some of the things do you think that? Uh, from from Scott Brooks's perspective as the coach, or even from everybody's perspective, as our fans or media members, what were some of the things that, or what were some of the struggles that Thomas had early on in his career that you think may have prevented him from getting on the court? So, in your question, you actually uh, mentioned that word, and that word is rookie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is something I've talked with uh, Sadoransky about a couple times, and you know that I feel like um, the use of that word 
is is a bit derogatory especially when it comes to people who have established themselves uh, abroad you know so Sadaransky he never really liked that um, people used that word uh, with him he, he never considered himself a rookie I think there are also some rookie duties that come uh, with different teams in the NBA. Yeah, I, I, did, did they make him yes. carry the backpack? They make him carry the backpack? Yes, yes, That's yes. It? Oh, so, <laughs> so he didn't appreciate that. You know, he was a leader he, uh, already um, early on, uh, much earlier on in the Czech national team. He, he was the leader of that team for many years. Right. And then in Barcelona, he was a leader. He, he was a key player in the in the EuroLeague. Um, you know, so so it, that was that that was, I think, the number one hurdle. Um, number two is I mentioned it before a little bit. So you know, the front office knew Sadaransky as well as anybody. You know, Tommy did his homework for years, and he followed him. You know, pretty much to every team that he went to, he went and met him over the you know over the year. He went to see him playing, Ernie. Um, I assume he got his information from Tommy. Uh, and as I said, I don't think Scott Brooks knew much about Sadaransky at all. Um, and um, I, my understanding is that he traveled once to Barcelona uh, just before uh, Sadaransky, you know, bought out from the extension with Barcelona and signed with the Wizards just to, you know, get on the same page. But I don't think he actually saw him playing games. Um, right. So um, I think that... Um, Lack of familiarity, and uh, and on the other hand, him being treated as a rookie were the first hurdles. Okay, so I think that those are uh, definitely valid points that you bring up as far as initial hurdles go. But those are really kind of like off of the court uh, things that you know. And they, like I said, it, it's a circumstantial uh, evidence, and it's very clear that these are the things that this, the things that you're saying are true. But what about the things on the court that you think that may have prevented? Because at a certain point, you know, he, he gets on the court, he starts playing. Um, you know, what what do you think that Scott Brooks saw or didn't see in, in, in Sato's on-the-court product that, you know, didn't allow him to build up that trust early on? Well, if you look at basketballreference.com, uh, you'll see that in his, his first year, as we said, as a rookie, Sadaransky was officially playing the point guard position for about two or three percent of the time. Right. Um, so, like I said, this lack of familiarity of the coach with the player's capabilities um, had him, in some sense, um, misplaced. I mean, so he he was trying to have him play as a wing, as as a corner three shooter, as a spot up shooter. Um, but really Sad not his game. And you know, and if you if you ever watch Sadaransky in the Czech national team or in Barcelona. He he likes to carry the ball over the, to the half court. He likes to run the plays. He he you know he likes to to do those things. And when you put him in a position that he's never played before his whole life, you put him in a disadvantage. Right. No. And I can I can personally attest. Like I've talked to Sadoransky for over the over his tenure as a wizard, and he made it known you know that he's a point guard and that he wanted to play point guard and that. You know that the, them spending a lot of time playing him at those other positions, playing him out of his position, probably did him a disservice. But when we talk about him as a point guard, uh, do you think that it's? I, I'd say that there's a, there was a little bit of a criticism coming from a lot of people who observe Wizards basketball that Sadoransky wasn't the 
strongest ball handler when we're talking about his early his first years and I remember there would be you know a lot of times where they would put him in the game and they would give him an opportunity to bring the ball up the court and he would struggle bringing the ball up the court and you know he used to have to do the, you know his little move I've never seen and I watch a lot of NBA basketball I've never seen anybody have to back their man down to get the ball past half court and I saw Sadoransky do that a, a lot of times. So we do have to talk about how, you know, his lack of aggression may have hurt him. And, you know, th- there are guys, I think there's not only Scott Brooks, but some of his peers even were kind of looking at him trying to figure out what's going on. If you're saying you're paying, you want to play point guard, but you are struggling to bring the ball up the court, which is literally the most basic job description as far as being a point guard. Right. I mean, look, um, Sadoransky is a guy who – has definitely some uh, um, you know issues that uh, with his game and there are some weaker points to his game and uh, but I think you know basketball is is never just a study of numbers or a study of particular plays and 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 you know I feel like mentally that first year that was his biggest problem like trying trying to get um, someone to believe in him and 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 I felt like uh, or my understanding was that he, he definitely felt very confident in the front office and he was willing to even, you know, waive that extension, that, which was a very, you know, lucrative offer in European terms and, and come to the Wizards because he, he, he believed that th- there is belief in him. But when he actually got here and was treated as a rookie and, you know, w- was given, you know, sort of garbage time minutes to begin with and, and you know, just very very few minutes uh you know let's say at the end of the first quarter to start the second quarter and and uh he he didn't feel like that when he was making a mistake he was being backed up so i i think it was mostly mental because he he just you know having played myself i know that when when you're just not confident you 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 get into patterns that are not um your kind of typical stuff right no and i i can definitely attest that the mental aspect definitely plays a role into why he was lacking in confidence if you know that you know if the if you make any single mistake and the coach is going to take you out then you're going to come in and you're going to be kind of you know walking on eggshells a little bit and i definitely believe that that kind of hindered Sadoransky in his first season. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, though. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk about the kind of the, the, the transitional moment in Sadoransky's career, the everybody eats wizards, and really, I'd say, the fracturing moment between Scott Brooks and uh, Thomas Sadoransky. But first, let me guys uh, tell you guys about uh, support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who's the number one in men's below-the-belts uh, grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank and Men's Journal named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best uh, men's grooming tools on the market. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code locked on at manscaped.com. That is locked on at manscaped.com. All right, so let's let's talk about all right, so we we, we talked about uh Saturansi's first year and how he might have been a little bit apprehensive and how the you know he there wasn't a lot of belief in him. And, you know, I think that he probably would even say that, you know, he lacked a little bit of confidence and that he maybe wasn't himself as a player. But coming into that second season, he came in with a lot more confidence. And, you know, that this was the first year that John Wall began to, you know, start kind of his body began to deteriorate. And so he had a lot of injuries. So, you know, let, let, let's talk again, though. But the, the, uh, the team went out and brought in another point guard to play in front of him, Tim Frazier, who they traded another second round pick. Now, mind you, they, they're trading away all these assets and they got Thomas Adderley 
Jaranski is sitting right there on the bench. But so they traded another second round pick. They bring in Tim Frazier. Frazier's playing in front of Sadaransky for the majority of the season, but then Wall gets hurt. So Wall gets hurt and they put Tim Frazier in the starting lineup. They realize that doesn't work. So then they got they got Sadaransky. Now, you know, halfway through the season, he ends up being the starting point guard on the team. And then lo and behold, the team's actually playing better. You know that they they uh, everybody the ball is moving a lot more. Bradley is playing a lot better. Uh, he's the one who coined the term "everybody eats." Uh, you know, even though he he took that from uh, the movie "Paid in Full," but what he meant by that is that the ball wasn't sticking with one or two players like it did when Wall was playing, and that everybody was everybody eats. I mean, when Saturansi came in, he was kind of feeding everybody. So let's talk about um, that 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 stretch of Wizards basketball and how Saturansi was able to you know kind of get the team into a bit of a flow with the offense. So, look, I mean, just to, to say one more thing about the first year, I mean, Sadaransky um, had, had struggles getting the ball, like you said, and because, you know, the speed in the NBA is, is so different than Europe, right? So he, he had to, you know, adjust to that. And, you know, and he used that summer between the first and the second seasons to, you know, really critically look at his game, take personal trainers and uh, and work on his weakness spots, you know, and he realized that, you know, you you got to you got to run up the half court and bring, you know, you can't just like it's not like you can just walk up and uh, back up your guy. And, and he also realized, OK, Scott Brooks wants to challenge me. I'll take that as an advantage you know I'll use that to my advantage he hired one of the top um, shooting gurus let's say in, in, in the world basically called Stefan Weissenbach um, and he trained with him uh, you know intensely over that summer working on his three point shot and, uh, and, and in the first year he was shooting you know 20 something percent in the second year that you mentioned he, he was also spotting up for threes at 46 percent you know one of the top shooters in the league that that year among people who are shooting at, at least once a game um so i think i think um that that's sort of what 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 um brought him to the next level the fact that you know defenders had to take account of him they had to guard him otherwise he would punish them with his three-pointer and that freed up other players you know and so he could assist more he could get other guys more involved right right i think that you know the the the, the numbers speak for the for itself as far as uh you know Sadaransky being able to get everybody else involved and so, um, the, the, you know, the Everybody Eats Wizards happens, and then that leads us into, uh, you know, the 2018 playoffs where the team essentially brought in Ty Lawson, another point guard who they bring in. We've already – this is the fourth name that we were talking about of guys they brought in to play in front of Sadoransky. But they brought in Ty Lawson to play in front of uh, Sadoransky after he played well, you know, after he, you know, kept the ship afloat when John Wall was hurt. Ty Lawson didn't even play in the NBA that year, and he brought him in from China, and he played in front of Sadoransky. So, and I believe that this was the fracturing moment between Sadoransky and the Wizards organization, but more specifically between he and Scott Brooks, as to you know, like what what more could he have done as a player for him to you know essentially just lose his spot. On a whim to to a guy who didn't even play in the NBA, uh, can can you talk about what what I know you you've had conversations with Thomas about this and 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 th- I just want to make this be clear like 
Sadoransky was the utmost professional, you know, uh, in, in his tenure as a wizard. And he never badmouthed the organization or badmouthed some of these decisions. You know, he handled it a lot better than I personally would have handled it. I'll say that. But what, let's talk about the frustration that he probably felt from uh, Scott Brooks playing a guy from China over him after he had kind of proven himself. Right. So I sat down with Sadoransky last October uh, or November and... Um, and I mentioned that point with the Ty Lawson incident and, you know, it was about six months after the incident and it, it was still hard for him to talk about it. But he, he did open up and he, he specifically said to me that uh, Coach Brooks never sat down and gave him an explanation for that up until that moment. And we're talking six months later. So, um, so in the exit interviews with, with Scott Brooks uh, a couple months ago, I, you know, I asked Coach Brooks this question so we can listen to it. Uh, earlier this year, uh, Sato said he was a bit hurt by, you know, what happened with Ty Lawson last the year before the playoffs. So just kind of what, what led to that decision and how did you manage to mend your relationship with Sato this year? Um, I, don't, I think that's a, probably a little harsh um, mending relationship with Sato. And Sato's been a great, uh, great teammate, a, a guy that... Uh, coach you can coach him it's about um, it's always about getting our team in a position to win and we had an opportunity to bring players in this summer last summer two summers from now we're going to do that to get our team better um, and it's always about that my responsibility to, to Ted and our fans or is to try to um, get the best team possible and that's just part of being a head coach and part of I've been a player uh, for many years and that's just that's part of it and it's always about doing your job and doing it every day and and saw uh, Thomas has always been great um, so okay so what stands out from this uh, little clip with Scott Brooks is that he does not deny the fact that his relationship with Sadoransky, um, you know, pretty much got fractured uh, in that in that moment, um, probably irreparably so. Um, and um, you know, he's not on the team anymore, right? Yeah. And let, let, let's talk about the reason why he's not on the team anymore. So you know, he let's let's fast forward. I think uh, we it, it's it's easy to fast forward through last season of basketball because I mean the Wizards they 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 fast forward through it on the court. So we're going to fast through it <laughs> off the court. Uh, but after the last season ended, Thomas Adaransky ended up signing a three-year, $30 million deal with the uh, Chicago Bulls. And with him being a restricted free agent, though, the Wizards had an opportunity to match the contract if they wanted to. But from uh, from all sources uh, told, Sadoransky told the Wizards not to match the deal, that he wanted to go. So... Uh, let's talk about the fact that, you know, Sadoransky put himself in that position where, you know, he signed in a deal with another team and he basically told the Wizards, like, man, please don't match. I don't want to come back. Like, that's, is, is this accurate from, from, from your reporting as well? Well, what I heard, first of all, so um, the, the 30 million is not completely guaranteed. So it's 10 million for the first two years and five for the last year. That's my understanding I might be wrong um, so we're talking about 25 million which is exactly the amount that the Wizards were willing and able to give to Thomas Bryant right so so we're not talking about uh, you know an exuberant sum of money and uh, I um, 
I do believe that there there was some cooperation between Sadoransky and the front office. You know that you know I think that um, you know he basically um, awarded them a second round pick in this uh, sign and trade uh, deal, right. and, and so they were willing to cooperate. I I, I very much think that Tommy Shepard um, wanted to keep him. Um, I've I've even heard that from multiple sources, um, and. Uh, I don't think that Scotty Brooks wanted to keep him, and I think there was some, uh, you know, I mean, if you're moving forward with an organization, you need to have everybody on board, right. basically. Yeah. Right, no, I, and I agree, and, I, and I'm uh, a big proponent of the fact that, look, if Sadoransky didn't want to be here, then we're not in the business of trying to, you know, keep people around who don't want to be here. That's where they're, 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 the Wizards have been preaching for the whole offseason that they want to change the culture around here. Well, then changing the culture is, you know, getting rid of people who don't want to be here. You know, you don't put it somebody, you don't, you don't preach changing culture in a positive direction and then have a player who could potentially, you know, I'm not even saying that he would be a problem in the locker room, but you just don't want to, you just, it's just, it's just that type of energy just doesn't really uh, mesh well. There was something that uh, you and I talked about before beforehand and this was a, a hypothetical scenario that we talked about well not really hypothetical but uh, there were negotiations going on between Sadoransky and the Wizards during the season and this was when Ernie Grunfeld was still the general manager of the team or the team president and do you uh, there was something interesting that you and I talked about you said that you believe that if uh, if Ernie Grunfeld was still the the, the team president that you know that he probably would have wanted to keep Sadoransky, and that you know if if Sadoransky's biggest issue was with Scott Brooks, that you know not not to say that Scott Brooks would have been out because of Sadoransky. I'm sure there would have been a multitude of reasons as to why Scott Brooks could have been out. But there there was a world where you know hypothetically that if Ernie would have stayed and and if Scott Brooks would have been you know relieved, then then Sadoransky might have wanted to return to to, to DC. For sure. I mean, there were talks about four years for 45, 47 million. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, I think the main point was, um, you know, Ernie leaving and not Scotty leaving. Right. If we would have seen um, Ernie fire Scott Brooks, um, I think we would have been seeing Sadoransky stay here. Uh, and uh, probably things would have just been different all around yeah right yeah uh, but i mean this is this is like i said a hypothetical world that Completely, we would never yeah. have to deal with yeah. because you know ernie grunfeld was fired on april 2nd and now we have a whole you know a slew of uh people coming in representing monumental basketball now so you know and, and sadaransky seems to have moved on the wizards got a second round draft pick out of it um you know i, I fully support sadaransky uh, i'm glad you know i was a we were part of over at Truth About It. We we, we started the Free Saddle movement, and uh, you know I, I have nothing but well wishes for him. And I'm I hope to I hope that he plays great in uh, in in 79 games next year, except for the three that he plays against the Wizards. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted to but before we ended up wrapping up this podcast, since you're a, a resident uh, European Union representative here, I wanted to talk about uh, Davis Bertans and his addition to the team. I know he he, he played well. Uh, for the San Antonio Spurs and uh, in the, he's on the, the Latvian national team. Uh, just give me your, your quick synopsis of uh, the type of player that Bertans can be and what he can add to the Wizards for next year. Well, first of all, um, I just ran into him when he was here with San Antonio in April and you know chatted with him a little bit. He's he, you know he seems like a very very nice guy and a great 
guy to have in the locker room. Uh, he he is somebody that I, I think Scott Brooks will love because he he he, uh, he accepts roles, and that's what Scott Brooks <laughs> has repeatedly said he wants out of players. And you know we've seen that with San Antonio. You know, Popovich wanted him to do something very specific, which is you know catch and shoot. And, and he provided that, you know, heaps of that. And he's one of, you know, actually the one of the top catch-and-shoot guys in his position. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, uh, I believe I'll, I'll give the uh, credit to uh, my guy Fred Katz, but I believe that he shot 60% on corner threes uh, last season, which is an absurd number when you really think about it. Like, I mean, that's like 60% on catch-and-shoot threes in the corner. Like, that. that's, I mean, that, that, he's basically shooting layups. Like, that's it. So, I mean, if you can add a guy who is a weapon uh, of that nature when it comes to shooting, I think that, you know, he will uh, greatly contribute to the Wizards uh, possibly uh, winning <laughs> more than 25 games next year. I actually think that Sadoransky would play really well with Bertans. Bertans, yeah. yeah. I actually think so. Well, unfortunately, we'll never get a chance to uh, see that situation. But, uh, man, uh, Yanir, I greatly appreciate you for coming on. Uh, I want to give you a chance to kind of uh, plug your work. I know that you're not on social media, so but go ahead and, and let the people know where they can find your work and uh, what some of the uh, cool and interesting things that you'll have going on for this upcoming NBA season. Uh, well, I, I started... Um you know, as, as you mentioned, writing in English as well this year. So I, I'm on Bullets Forever and also freelance for uh, CloseUp360.com. And um, yeah, I try not to write too much, but you know, once in a while, I have an article about Sergio Scariolo, one of the assistant coaches for Toronto, um, coming up soon. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Okay, yeah, greatly appreciate it. And so uh, the, the hoop, the hoops, Israel. I mean, we hey, we, we we're gonna try to get you back on here more so we can. Win. They can get this great Wizards content over there in Israel, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.